Blog Talk Radio. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente, and we are getting ready to get things kicked off for week number one in college football. Willie is theory, you know, like when you watch the horse races or the boxing matches, there's there's always those uh, pre-matches uh, and pre-races, so we're going to have one of those today. We'll talk about that. Standing by in our balanced green room is Adam Jividen. Our super brown fan, super Buckeye fan, and all around uh, uh, college football co-pilot. Rick Riggin is down in Atlanta. Him and his uh, wife went down there for a Braves game, so he is not going to be able to join us. <clears throat> but also joining us uh, in the next uh, half hour uh, is uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest calling us from down in Daytona. Also, I would be remiss if we don't take some, and we are going to take some time dedicated to this, uh, uh, to what happened with Robin Miller passing. Uh, yeah, you thought I was going to go all political, didn't you? But uh, if you know anything about racing, you know who Robin Miller was, and you know uh, he was the ultimate love-hate journalist, uh, and uh, certainly uh, I've known him for a good number of years. <clears throat> died of brain cancer this this past week, uh, so we're going to pay tribute to him as well uh, this week uh, in this show. Sorry, and then also Tony Donahue will be joining us for our NFL segment. Ed Kratz is uh, with the Eagles and they're uh, playing the Jets and just got a lot of stuff going on this weekend where he can't join us. But we're going to be talking about that plus our fantasy football breakdown as well. My name is Tom Marquis. Hail Presidente, if I could talk, we'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. 
The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Right. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're hitting my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? No, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. Hi, this is a good one. Kind of groove. Welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Mattel, Presidente, 917-889-8516 is our digits. And helping us jump right into it today is Adam Jividen, Super Browns fan, Super Ohio State Buckeye fans, and our official college football co-pilot. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you, man? Good. You had me worried there for a minute. I was like, what? Where, what's going on? <laughs> I, I've, I've been here. I don't know what was going on. If we had some technical uh, difficulties it, it, or I don't know what. It takes time sometimes for uh, all the connections to make together, but we're all good. We're all good. Well, it, it, technically this is week one. Week or start of college football technically starts today. But as Rick yeah, and it, I it, have It's called have, week zero. Yeah, I get ready to say that's what Rick and I were just bantering back and forth about. Because technically, it's it's not week one, it's week zero. And as I said in my opening dialogue there, it's kind of like when you go to the Kentucky Derby. You're there all day long. You see a few races. 
but it's not the Kentucky Derby. But today is some college football action on on the ground. So we uh, let's let's get right into that. First of all, let's talk about what do you, we we know. Again, talking about those those many races that we watch before we get into the big stuff. So we know we're not going to see when it comes to the top twenty-five. When it comes to Ohio State, Notre Dame, whatever this week, we're not really going to see a lot of what we would say uh, fireworks and, and, and that sort of stuff. But as we take a look at well, week zero and week one uh, going into college football, uh, give us your thoughts overall, sir. You know, I, I'm really excited for the football season. I think last year was the – obviously with, with the COVID year was the strangest year we've ever had. A lot of teams didn't really get um, much, if any, of an off season, or if they got an off season, players were, you know, absent for large chunks of practices. We heard coaches – a lot of coaches were talking about how there was – it was the worst year for development that they've ever had because they just weren't able to get in that – kind of one-on-one coaching time that makes a, a big difference, especially with young players in college football that every team relies on to step up. So, I mean, I'm super excited um, for games today. Um, I know it's not college football, but I'm really excited <laughs> to watch uh, Chelsea and Liverpool today at 1230. There's just, it's, it's good to have, like, the fall where we got a lot of sports back on, um, not those kind of summer days where you got maybe some crappy baseball games, and that's it. So, I'm, I, yeah, I'm pumped. Super pumped. Well, let's go ahead and let's just talk about the games of the day, and then we'll go ahead and get into some of the other conversation. we got two big, team, big ten teams going at it today at 120, Nebraska and Illinois. Nebraska's at Illinois. You always got to think that when you look at Nebraska that they're going to be a more stronger, more dominant team, especially when it comes to Illinois. But when we look at what Nebraska's put before us, or in, especially last season and just overall, I think over the last couple seasons, of course, yes, we can attribute uh, COVID to a lot of this. So we've always got that hanging over our head, but it is what it is. I, 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 I'm, I'm curious to see how this plays out today. I, it's going to be one of two things. It's going to be a, a, a uh, new test. Or it's going to be, you know, a really good action-filled game. Going to, I mean, I mean, that's logical. It's going to go one way or the other, I guess. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Nebraska and Illinois? Yeah, you know, this is a game that Scott Frost needs real, real bad. Uh, Scott Frost, you know, came to Nebraska coming off of those uh, UCF teams that he put together that were, I mean, dominant. And he's come back to Nebraska, his alma mater, and with a lot of fanfare. And so far. It's just been not even average. It's just been bad. And so he needs this game desperately. Uh, So I think I look for Nebraska to really try to come out and set the the tone. Um, If they can. You know, Illinois, similarly, has uh, Brett Bielema. He came back after his exile to the SEC where he learned that he's not actually a good coach. Uh, or at least he doesn't know how to cheat as well as some of those SEC schools did uh, before the NIL came in. But regardless, you know, he, he's back uh, after – and he had, I mean, massive success at Wisconsin before he went to Arkansas. So this is going to be – he's looking to try to establish, you know, kind of his new regime. Scott Frost desperately needs a, a, a win to get their season started off right. So it's one of those games that, and I get, you're going to have that week one sloppiness, but I think this is actually a game that that will play better than it looks on paper. 
Yeah, and, and I guess that's kind of what, what my thought is. I'm hoping that it's not going to be a snooze fest. It is going to be one of those things. And you're right, Scott Frost does need this. In fact, he's was on the hot seat last year, so we'll see what happens. Move on over to Connecticut and Fresno State. There again, you think you're looking at Connecticut and Fresno State, not a lot to look at because this isn't basketball. Now, if this was basketball, we'd be having a, a completely different conversation. But we look at Con- uh, Connecticut, uh, you know, heading out to California. That's always uh, a role to play. Certainly, California has a lot more stricter roles as far as uh, uh, rules going on now as far as the COVID and fans in attendance. I don't know how much that's going to come into play. But you look at this game kind of being a game that Fresno could get their season kicked off with a win. Yeah, you know, Connecticut hasn't been good since those, like, Dan Orlovsky days at quarterback, right? But I, I think the biggest thing that, that what we're going to – what I'm which interested was a, Which was a cool also, by the way. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I think the thing that I'm really interested to see with, with these um, schools that are not a part of the Power Five is how did they start maneuvering themselves to establishing good programs? You know, both of these teams, Fresno and UConn, are teams that will occasionally, like, have those, those uprisings, those year or two of, of solid seasons. Um, I think of UConn. Uh, remember they had ex-Colt Donald Brown, um, and they won their conference a couple times. Um, they did it with Orlovsky. But that's the thing is, is that these – these smaller teams that are now kind of on the fringe of, of, of going, okay, what's left for us? Uh, if they can start in building some momentum, um, especially with the new NIL um, in place, I think it could like level the playing field and you could maybe have some local guys stay home. So these, these schools are going to look in this next to this new era of college football to try to establish like some signature out of conference wins. And I think both of those teams are going to be looking for exactly that today. Well, this is a game I would typically go to, to uh, Rick, to, you know, get his uh, feathers ball in a, in a ruffle. <laughs> Hawaii and UCLA. What are your thoughts, sir? Um, I mean, UCLA, they got to they gotta get some wins. I mean, period. Like, you know, they, they've had uh, Chip Kelly come in after his run in the NFL, and he's just been – bad. But I mean, UCLA and the Pac-10, they need to string together wins, period. And this is where, what's, what I'm curious to see with the entire Pac-10 is, can they as a conference string wins together against other, other conferences? Um, you know, there's the, the biggest Pac-10, the biggest two Pac-10 games of the year um, are in week two. Um, when Ohio State plays Oregon and Washington goes to uh, – I can't remember. Um, yeah, I don't have it. Week two as well. But, but, I mean, that's the thing is, is if the Pac-10, like if Ohio State beats Oregon, which non-homer speaking I expect to happen, um, and, and Washington loses, could this be one of those things where the, the Pac-10 is eliminated essentially from college football playoff contention – two weeks into the season. That's what the Pac-10 has to avoid. And so for the conference, UCLA's got to show up and win and then try to establish some momentum for their own program because they've had none of it for the last couple years. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I, thought, I thought you were going on to say something else. So I apologize. Well, let's talk a little bit about your Ohio State football Buckeyes. Obviously, uh, uh, going down to the gopher land there, don't anticipate anything major happening here. But it's always a big game, and you have a Big Ten game involving Ohio State, uh, and it's on in prime time. So all eyes are going to be on Ohio State in Minnesota. So uh, from the Ohio State perspective, what are they going to do when they go gopher hunting later next week? Yeah, so this game is on Thursday, which is weird. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I I expect if I would honestly be a lot more concerned about this game if it wasn't week one. Since it's week one, there is going to be no question as to if the guys are going to be dialed in. They will be locked, loaded, and as you said, ready to go go for hunting. I think, you know, they've got a returning quarterback um, in Tanner Morgan um, up in Minnesota who last year was not good. Two years ago was really solid. Um, but they also had some really solid receivers uh, two years ago with Rashad Bateman, um, who didn't play last year. He, he was a COVID sit-out. And Tyler Johnson. And uh, what can Tanner Morgan put together in his last season is kind of a big question mark. Ohio State's uh, secondary last year was freaking atrocious. Can the Ohio State secondary start to put it together? Can linebacker play really good? If you talk to Ohio State coaches or you hear from Ohio State coaches, they are very, very excited about the defensive line. But how is the defense going to gel off of – for us, it was a really tough year last year with the COVID start-stop, and we were routinely missing players um, from uh, due to COVID last year, or we had several games get canceled, including that game. Uh, against Michigan State, and when that team up north pansied out for the season because we knew they were going <laughs> to we were going to lay seventy on them. So you know, I think this is a game where Ohio State's going to try to come in and set the tone. Um, I'm looking at, uh, I'm thinking essentially a score of like forty-five to seventeen. Um, it'll, I think they'll get a couple plays in early. And the big thing is the big question mark for for Ohio State is going to be how does new quarterback starter C.J. Stroud handle the pressure? Everything that we've seen in practice, everything we've heard is that this kid is ready to go, and you're going to see some Justin Fields type ability from him. And the thing is, is that if 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 he can't handle it, they've got. It's the most loaded quarterback room I've ever seen. There are three five-star quarterbacks in the same quarterback room. It's nuts between C.J. Stroud, uh, Jack McCord, and then Quinn Ewers. So I think they'll be ready to go. We're hearing incredible things from the offensive line um, following spring practice. Uh, And then it's just uh, the running backs are going to be – they're deep, but nobody has distanced himself yet. Look for Mayan Williams. And Travion Henderson, uh, Mayan Williams is a sophomore. Travion Henderson's a, a true freshman. They're going to get, ultimately, I think, by the midseason, the lion's share of the carries. Um, and then Master Teague, a senior, will also get his fair share of carries as well. It's kind of how, how that load is going to be split up. But, yeah, I, I think Ohio State's going to come out. Ryan Day is going to try to set a tone um, that they can carry forward into that massive matchup in Week 2 against Oregon. Well, one, one face that I know a lot of people are going to be looking to and, and expecting a lot of, and that's Chris Olave, uh, obviously wide receiver there at Ohio State. Uh, and certainly a lot of people right now are saying, hey, he's going to be on that list. 
to be uh, called in April. We're going to go through some of that uh, top hit list that Adam Schefter uh, and McShay put out later today, here in a few minutes. Uh, they put out on Twitter. We'll just kind of go through their names to get their thoughts. Obviously, Chris Olave was on that list. Uh, but so what are your thoughts about him? He's got a lot to live up to, or do you think he's just comfortable in this role as he could very well possibly be his his introduction to the NFL, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, Olave was on the team last year. Olave, really sorry. Team, uh, two years ago against Michigan, he caught he caught two touchdown passes and recovered a block punt for a touchdown um, in that game uh, two years ago. Um, up in Ann Arbor, and, you know, uh, last year had a really solid season, um, missed the Big Ten championship game, sat out because of COVID, um, but, but, was, but was really, I mean, really solid throughout the year. The thing about Ohio State is their receiver room is bananas. Um, there was, a, there was, a, there was a, a discussion this week up in Chicago asking, is the Bears receiver room worse than the receiver room that he left in Columbus? Because they're looking at the receiver room in Columbus with potentially five over the next few years first-round wide receivers between Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith Najigba, Marvin uh, Harrison Jr., and then either Julian Fleming or Emeka Egbuka. Um, it's the deepest receiver room I've ever seen, um, and a lot of that has to do with Brian Hartline recruiting his absolute tail off, that he's gotten the number one receiver in the country the last three years and the next number one receiver, Caleb Burton from Oklahoma, is coming this next season. So it's, it's just the room is deep, and they all are very different players. Olave is incredibly sure-handed um, and super fast up the sideline. He plays that traditional um, you know, outside receiver position. And then Garrett Wilson, you can put him in the slot. You can put him on the outside. You can put him you know, like double stack to, the, to either side. Um, if you want to stack up, like, the strong side or the weak side, you can put him really anywhere. And then Jackson Smith Najigba, as a, as a true sophomore, is just a – he's a man. He's all of 6'4", like, 215, and just strong. Um, he's that prototypical big receiver. And, and, and that's the thing is, is that ultimately the question for all of the Ohio State receivers is going to be how do they dispense the ball because we also have – the highest-rated tight end coming into this season. Um, and so it's, it's, there's only one ball. There's only so many carries. And so will we be able to uh, get Jeremy Ruckert the ball, the tight end? Um, will we be able to handle all the carries? It, they're they're going to have a lot of opportunities. Um, but, yeah, I, I expect Chris Olave easily – to be called um, in that first round. I think it could be similar to what we saw from Alabama a couple years ago where two Alabama receivers went in the top 12 with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. So, yeah, absolutely. Olave is a, is a monster. He's just – he's Mr. Smooth. So, as we know that one of the things we always talk about as we get close to the committee and whether we're talking about in playoffs – look forward, and, and we know we're going to have this conversation, strength of schedule, and we know, okay, when we look at the SEC, the Big Ten, or what, what have you, so I wonder how much of, a, of an impact these non-conference schedules or records will, will play, and as far as the toughest or the weakest schedule when it comes to, uh, when it comes to the committee, 
and how it how it plays out. And when you look at we talk about Nebraska again, they certainly would think one of they have one of the toughest schedules uh, with uh, Oklahoma and Buffalo and Fort, Fordham being part of their that opponent's thing. But Rutgers seems to have a very easy schedule as far as non-conference schedules we're talking about. Temple at Syracuse and Delaware. So as you look at these non-conference uh, uh, options that could come into play, come especially if they have now that we have an, an expansion of a, the playoff teams. What is the overall thought on these non-conference impact on the committee's thoughts on who's going to the playoffs and who is not? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a massive – it plays a massive difference. And it's kind of smart what Rutgers is doing, right? You've got Greg Schiano that's back at Rutgers that's trying to establish – uh, an identity for that team. So if they can go undefeated in non-conference, maybe pick up a win over like a Maryland or another like lower tier Big Ten team early, maybe you can start to sniff that top 25 a little bit. Now, is it going to be one of those top 25s that you look at the end of the season and be like, yeah, that wasn't a top 25 team? Probably. But even just making that appearance helps their recruiting. And so I think it's going to make a big difference, as, as, especially as we get closer to the potential um, college football playoff expansion. Uh, you know, there was talks it was going to go to 12 teams, and now it's kind of like several of the conference commissioners are like, hey, let's, let's slow this train down a little bit. Um, I think it's going to make a big deal, especially this year. Uh, this year there's, as I mentioned, you know, these, there's the big major non-conference game that uh, Ohio State has with Oregon. There's also Georgia going um, – or Georgia is playing Clemson. I believe that's a neutral site game. Uh, if Clemson loses that game, like with the, with the weakness of the rest of the ACC, that could be it. Like they could, they, that could be their shot. Um, I mentioned a couple weeks ago. I, I think some combination of the two, two of the four big teams that everybody's kind of assuming um, are going to go to the college football playoff. My bold prediction this year was that two of them won't. Whether it's o- Ohio State, Oklahoma, uh, Alabama, or Clemson. And so you look at that, again, with Oregon, if Oregon loses to Ohio State, especially if Ohio State wins handily um, in a game in Columbus at noon, um, which for them would be 9 a.m. on the West Coast, like if Ohio State wins handily, how does that affect the rest of the Pac-10s? Um, well, what, if, what about this handily? scenario? What if, what if Syracuse comes to Ohio and beats Ohio? What does that do for Ohio? And and what if Ohio what if Syracuse beats Liberty? That, that's an easy easy schedule there. But at the same time, if they come in and beat Ohio, and also beat a, a, a team like Liberty, that's got that's got to carry some weight, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole point. Is I think these conferences are really going to be bandying for uh, for a a conference schedule um, that will allow them to have the best shot for the CFP. Now. That's where you go, okay, if Syracuse goes undefeated, how does that help Syracuse? And you may say, well, Syracuse isn't going to make the playoff. We know that. But Syracuse going undefeated in, the, in, the, in non-conference play shows the power of the ACC, which in turn helps make Clemson's case a little stronger if, for yep. example, they were to lose to Clemson. And that's yep. where it's the it's – the, these are the questions – that the College Football Playoff Committee is answering um, or, or should be asking on a weekly basis that a lot of the like, casual fan goes, okay, yeah, but 
but what about this team? This team beat that team, so why are they, you know, or this team beat has this strength of schedule. You don't just look at, you don't just look at their overall record. You look at who those teams beat, because you, to your point, a team that a Rutgers team that has beaten, you know, some some pretty lame, you know, lamer college football teams is a pretty it's a pretty weak schedule. Um, if you if you take that team and you beat, for example, maybe not a name program, but somebody that's played, we'll say like a Nebraska or a a Kansas State. Uh, those are the kind of teams that help buoy your strength of schedule needed for the college football playoffs. Because I, I just, I feel like this is going to be a more wide open year than we've ever had in recent memory for the CFP. We've been talking with Adam Jividen, our college football co-pilot. We've got just a, a minute or so left here. Uh, uh, so let's just kind of break down uh, Todd McShay's top prospects for the 2021 draft and put it out there on Twitter and I'm just going to go through there's the, uh, the top five, and you can just go ahead and give me your thoughts. And because we're about out of time sure. here, uh, but uh, I lost my my thing. Well, we'll just have to go back down the list. Uh, Kamir uh, Elm uh, with Florida. What are your thoughts? Uh, this is he's he's one that I I'm I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen, been able to see a ton of his tape. Um, I know that he missed chunks of season last year. He's got. Um, a lot of potential. I want to see Florida's team take a big step forward under Dan Mullen. Um, these preseason prognostications are really oftentimes just based off of potential. And I think Florida has one of the most potential laden teams if they can put it all together. Okay, you're absolutely right there. Let's uh... – we were talking about Liberty a while ago, and, and we and we certainly know Liberty. Well, you know Liberty very well. <laughs> but I know Liberty we, very uh, well. <laughs> we would talk a lot about them during the basketball part, but we, we look at a quarterback who's in the top ten, Malik Willis, uh, uh, with Liberty. We'll, we'll make that the final uh, guy we talk about today, but he's on the top ten list for the 22 uh, draft uh, to be in the 22 NFL draft. So, uh, Malik um, Willis, uh, quarterback for Liberty. Yeah, dude, Malik Willis is no joke. Uh, he is, last year he threw for like I gotta ch- I gotta check his stats. I had going into this call, he threw, he had like forty touchdowns accounted for last year. It was ridiculous. He's really good, like really good. And a lot of people go like, yeah, but Liberty. Um, and for those of us, <laughs> you know, for people that don't know. Uh, Hugh Freeze, the former coach at Ole Miss, is the head coach now at Liberty, and he's really turning it into a really solid program. Uh, but Malik Willis is going to put up big-time numbers. The guy that you need to be thinking about when you're talking comparison from a Malik Willis perspective, he, is, he looks so similar to uh, – I think the best comp that I've seen or that, that, that I've, I've kind of felt was Donovan Nav at Syracuse. He can run the ball. He can be dynamic with the ball. But he is a solid, solid pocket passer. And I know I'm going back a while, but McNabb <laughs> in his prime was an absolute beast and did so similarly at a small school in Syracuse. Um, but, no, I, Malik's ridiculous, and, and I'm super excited to, to watch as many Liberty games as I can uh, this year and, 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 and get to, you know, just get hyped for, for my, my alma mater. Absolutely. 
but uh, yeah, looking forward to, to watching him this season. Uh, Adam Jemidin, we appreciate you joining us, uh, sir, and uh, we'll we'll have you on throughout the the year. Uh, you're always welcome here, and let's go from zero to one in a in a matter of days. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good, man. I'll talk to you soon, Tom. Everybody, we'll see you, Adam Jemidin, our uh, part of our college football team. Uh, Rick is down in Atlanta uh, enjoying some R&R down there with the Braves game. Uh, but I'm sure we'll have him on next week. Uh, as, you know, he's like, it's just week zero. <laughs> My name is Tom Marquezel, Presidente. Stick around. We're going to talk about uh, some racing with uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest down in Daytona. And we have a very special tribute to Robin Miller coming up right after this. I'm at a party I don't want to be at And I don't ever wear a suit and tie eye. Wondering if I can sneak up the back Nobody's even looking me in my eye Can you take my hand, finish my drink, say shall we dance? Hell yeah, you know I love you, did I ever tell you? You make it better like that Don't think I fit in at this party Everyone's got so much to say yeah. I always feel like I'm the Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like... Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal art. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're one of my eyes. 
quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle Coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. No. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. When I start to do a stand-up for speed and they start playing loud music and i got to talk even louder than I am now. It, 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 is, it isn't fair to lump me in with Hinton because he's a college-educated man with a family and I am a, a, a flunk out of Ball State who can't hold a job who does hate a lot of things. I Dale Jr. That. would have done that. I, I'm all for him. I've never met the guy, but I, I like Dale Jr. I really do. Yeah, yeah right. I used Dale to do- Jr. is, to me, and is just number one. He, does, he tries not to hit anybody. And y'all start in on him every time, and I am sick of it. He, he tried so hard to miss Carl yesterday. Yeah, that car was so far sideways when he hit him. Come on, lady. Uh, we got, we Put got the Jack Daniels down and call back later. I think I entirely deserve that for saying that Kurt Busch stapled his ears back together earlier in the season, and now it's one and one and we have to have a tiebreaker. And the owners of Champ Car finally get it through their heads. We've got to have the same people in the cars every year so people might start paying attention to us. It's called professional auto racing. And guess what? As long as they keep treating us like a Monopoly game, nobody's going to respect them. Uh, she's 34 years old, allegedly. I haven't seen her birth certificate. I think she's older. She is, by, by definition of all the people that race with her in, in, in Grand Am racing, talented, very talentedly. She's challenged to be talented at any level, at any speed. You, you know, you know Gossage pretty well, and I mean, his ego's as big as Texas. We know that, and this would be a chance for him to come in and save the Indy Racing League, find him a title sponsor. They could probably build a statue next to Ray Haroon out in front of the speedway, and he'd be pretty happy. But just stop with it. But this just goes to show you how screwed up Champ Car Racing is, and how unserious these guys are about beating Newman Haas. You don't come up with a team driver for Paul Tracy until a week before the season. You don't test him or anything in a brand-new car. How are you going to beat Newman Haas? You're not. This is the only sport in the world where you start your career at the Indianapolis 500. If you're a baseball player, you go through the AAA or single-A or W. You start at single-A and you go all the way to triple-A. If you're good enough, you make it to the majors. No, not in racing. You get a sponsor, you get a car, and you go take your rookie test, and you run the Indy 500. Oh, my, this is fun. 
I've been on Mark Miles' butt not nearly enough. I'm gonna get I'm gonna start getting meaner here because he doesn't listen to anybody who knows anything about racing. That big yacht back there belongs to Tony George and he said if I can swim to it, he's gonna feed me. <laughs> Robin Miller, we we will you will be greatly missed. And what a what a great uh storyteller he was. You know, I I had the awesome opportunity of getting to know Robin over the years, and, and, and certainly there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, uh, but just his overall history and impact in racing journalism overall. And he was a tell it like it, well, like he saw it anyway. Whether or not it really was what it was, but he certainly saw it, told you the way he saw it uh, and the way it was through his eyes. And and him being such a remarkable storyteller uh, just made that even even better. And you know, remember that they had made him the uh, man of the year out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's been a couple of years ago, but they had AJ Foyt and they had Al Unser and they had Johnny Rutherford and they had all the big names that were still alive. Uh, Uncle Al was still alive at that point, and he was there. And, you know, all the big names came out to to pay uh, tribute to him. And, you know, just the stories about when he worked uh, with IndyCar. Uh, and uh, just, you know, there was a time he got in a fist fight with, with A.J. Foyt. Those kind of things you don't see anymore, but you, you that, that did happen. And so it, I just, you know, the stories that we hear from uh, Robin, just take some time to go back and look at his stories, read his stories, uh, obviously, uh, and, and, you know, to quote him, as he said, he flunked out of all state, but uh, yeah, he, he did. He flunked out of all state after just two quarters, got a job stooging for uh, Jim Hustabee in the 1968 Indianapolis 500 when Hertz was the uh, had, was the last roadster, roadster sorry, to ever make the race. He got hired at the Indianapolis Star a month later. Well, imagine this. If you know Robin, got fired. Uh, well, he also talked his way into the sports department, and then he began covering uh, IndyCar racing, got fired uh, because he was anti-Tony George. And we know the, the story about Tony George and the IndyCar and the split with IndyCar and card. We could, we could go down that path. Uh, but, but basically, yeah, because he was anti, uh, anti-Tony anti George, gets fired. Uh, <laughs> well, he just, he just uh, you know, as, as we joke around with about with, with drivers and uh, – has, has he alluded to in that little bit that we played. You know, you're a driver, you show up, you get a sponsor. Uh, they call that, uh, I've arrived, uh, uh, helmet in bag, ready to go. He he would just, here I am, resume in bag. <laughs> Here's my article. Uh, and uh, uh, But ESPN did hire him to write and do the RPM tonight. Then he went on to speed, and we remember him from speed, uh, and then on the wind tunnel and speed report. And then he also started in, in his final days was with Racer.com, NBC Sports, and IndyCar Telecast. Robin Miller, you'll be greatly missed. I'm sure he's telling great stories in heaven right now. My name's Tom Mark with El Presidente, 917-889-8516. Our digits. We're going to take a quick 
uh, break here. We'll be back here to regroup. Hopefully, we're going to be joined by Steve Wilson. My name's uh, Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. My name is Tom Marquis. And what an awesome tribute that that was that we just played to Robin Miller. Joining us now, I believe, is Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor down in Daytona. Steve, are you with us? Yes. Good, good. How's, how's, first of all, how's the weather down there in Daytona today? <laughs> well, at least it's shaping up to be a little bit better than <laughs> yesterday. I was going to say, it was kind of nasty last night, wasn't it? Uh, before we get into that talk, yeah. obviously we, we're going to have to finish the Xfinity race today. Uh, we had some rain issues, but before we get into all that, I'd like to have you uh, just take some time to reflect on on Robin Miller. Uh, maybe you didn't know him, uh, you know, personally, but I had an opportunity to get to know him over the years, and certainly considered him a friend, a great storyteller. What, what are your thoughts about the passing of Robin Miller to obviously tragically to to brain cancer? Yeah, he's not somebody that I I knew personally, um, just just of some of his work and what he had done for um, working for um, Speed Channel and uh, NBC and others over the years, and um, he always brought a um, kind of a, a no nonsense approach to all of this, and uh, it was just something that um, you know he was able to 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 make a lot of friends in in sport and. And he was uh, able to bring those stories to the people over all these uh, over these years, and anytime somebody dies of of cancer like that, it, it really is sad. Yeah, it is, and, and you know that's one of the things that I, I felt like you know his talent was 
his ability to tell a story. Whether or not you listen to him on a podcast or you listen to him on a radio broadcast or listen or read any of his articles in any of his normal publications or watched him on NBC Sports, wherever you happen to catch Robin Miller, he had the ability to tell a story. As I said before you joined, he had the ability to tell you exactly the way it, it is. Now, whether or not it's the right way to say it, or that maybe we're looking, he's looking at things through his eyes. As, as we remember, he got uh, fired from the Indianapolis Star because he was anti-Tony George. And, and, I, and I know you're very familiar with Tony George and, and uh, with the split between IndyCar and, and CART and all of that. He was very critical of them. But he was just... You know, a, a magnificent guy, and, and you know, like I said a few years ago, they gave him the Man of the Year out of Indianapolis, and all the the legends came out, and they just told stories about one time him getting in a fist fight with AJ Foyt, which isn't hard to believe in that time and era, uh, but certainly he was part of uh, covering racing and, and doing in the racing pit crew in the 1968. Uh, Indianapolis 500, which was the year I was born, to, to put that in into context. Uh, but just, you know, over the years, just had an opportunity to to get to know him at, at the media center and just in different uh, functions. He always, a lot of times, ate lunch at, at the working man's uh, uh, lunch here in Indianapolis. It's uh, been around for years. They don't even take credit. It's, they still only take cash, have the best cheeseburgers and root beer around. But he would just stun around and tell stories, and he was the ultimate uh, storyteller. And I think you can't expect that any type of journalist to to do any better of a job. Whether or not now, now can can I say that he was disagreed with uh, a lots of times? Yeah, <laughs> and, and he he was very plain spoken. So it, you did if you uh, were a driver or whatever, you. Uh, you just had to wear your, your feelings, not wear your feelings on your sleeve. And it was just really awesome to see both NASCAR, IndyCar, and across the racing community of driving uh, drivers, owners, and professionals pay tribute uh, to uh, uh, Robin Miller. And I'm, I'm certain that they'll have him uh, honored out there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in some way or another. All right, let's get back on track. No pun intended. Uh, the Xfinity race gets rained out last night. What, where do they pick up at? When's it start? How many laps is left to finish this race? Uh, they're going to pick, pick back up at 1230 on NBC and uh, 19 laps have been completed at this time. And uh, um, right now you've got up front with uh, A.J. Allmendinger and Noah Gregson, who's uh, been doing battle for the last uh, several laps after the exit of Brandon Jones. Um, so it, it's been pretty dicey up front between those guys uh, um, uh, fighting for that lead and um, you know Brandon Jones unfortunately he uh, uh, got a uh, window tear off stuff on the grill of the car uh, a few laps into the race uh, and that brought him into pit road during the competition caution on lap 15 unfortunately they found out that the motor had already gone uh, south in that car, and he's been pushed to the garage and will no longer resume. Uh, he's done for for the event uh, with an expired motor. Well, so uh, so let me ask you. I, I guess when when you, they go into the red flag rain conditions, so when they come back out the today to get ready to go today, 
are they still under red flag conditions until that's changed? Is there, or can they immediately, like any other day, like any other race, begin to start working and preparing for the race today? No, it'll still be under red flag condition. Um, NASCAR typically, when they do these things overnight, um, that they, these prolonged red flags like this, NASCAR will typically allow the teams um, to to do some minor work, such as uh, make sure that the batteries in the cars are charged, um, that the oils um, and fluids in the cars are still um, uh, ready to go, um, prime uh, the systems, um, sometimes uh, let them run for a few minutes and warm the cars up, uh, check their uh, things like uh, radios and um, things like that, just to make sure that the cars are ready to race um, after all these, uh, you know, hours of sitting around. But aside from that, there'll be no mechanical work uh, or, or anything uh, until they lift the, the red flag conditions. Well, we're used to seeing Kurt Busch in the Monster Energy Fire suit, but he's going to be changing clothes for a little bit uh, in 2022 as he will move to the 23XI Racing to Drive, uh, the team's second car in 2022. Uh, Of course, Monster Energy will still remain Busch's primary sponsor. Uh, The car will be number 45. Thoughts on Kurt Busch signing with uh, 23XI, XL, whatever that is, a Roman numeral <laughs> racing for 2022. Well, I think uh, Kurt, with the with the purchase of uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, that 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 uh, organization will be absorbed by another team starting next year, and the other driver for that team is going on over to that absorbed team. He kind of left uh, Kurt Busch out there in limbo for a little bit, and. Uh, for him to go over there, Kurt Busch has been a driver that we've seen him go to Stuart Haas Racing. We've seen him uh, come over to Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, and, and he's been a driver in the past that you take a look at. And just a lot of teams just want to have him around because he's a vet veteran, and he, they usually, if you looked at it in the past, a lot of times he's been paired up with these uh, these uh, uh, um, uh, rookie drivers or drivers that had not been around for for very long. And, um, and, and not only that, but his skills uh, inside the car and um, setups in these cars and um, just things that maybe but overlooked by um, uh, uh, you know a, a driver that doesn't have much experience. Uh, he's able to come in and uh, tell the team what they're doing wrong and improving it better. And that's been something that Kurt uh, Busch has been good at over these last couple of years. Um, and, and really just coming in and trying to help these teams get better. Well, it's the uh, Coke, Zero, uh, Coke Zero Sugar 400 at Daytona. Uh, so, uh, obviously, always great to see a race at Daytona. Certainly one of the the best racetracks around in the circuit. Very legendary. We know Daytona, uh, but this is the Coke Zero Sugar 400. Uh, it's certainly been one of the marquee races uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series schedule. Uh, what are some of the uh, uh, storylines we're looking at? I mean, we certainly are looking at, you know, Austin Dillon obviously has done well here before. We look at Denny Hamlin. Uh, so what are some of your, your thoughts uh, in the drivers we're looking at today? 
Yeah, um, both Austin Dillon, Danny Hamlin, and Brad Kozlowski, and others. These are uh, seasoned veterans that are uh, honed to craft in a lot of these, um, well, well, what we consider speedway, super speedway racing, these, these, these old restrictor plate-type racing. Um, you know, Danny Hamlin has gone all season long. He's uh, atop of the leaderboard in the point series, but he hasn't won yet. Um, you know, and, and after tonight, though, they're they're going to cut off, and they're going to be the drivers that are going to go and fight for the championship through the remainder of 2021. Um, and, and for for Denny Hamlin, without a win, um, he's going to get kicked down a little bit uh, in these standings. And, and Denny uh, needs to come in. He needs to win. He needs to get some points. Um, to to help preserve uh, some of that playoff longevity that is going to be coming over the next ten or so weeks, and uh, you know you you're just uh, you know it's you, we came we came to Daytona in uh, in, in February, and uh, you know that that race was taken by uh, by Michael McDowell, and you know Denny Hamlin has had um you know you know with a perennial favorite coming in these things just about every time we come down here. Um, but then, you know, we thought that'd be okay. Dan Hamlin will, will win a race. He'll get in. He'll he'll do what he needs to do. And, I mean, he's been consistent, and he's been able to uh, uh, go out there with uh, virtually uh, no mechanical and uh, no other issues throughout the season, which has kept him atop the leaderboard, even though um, drivers like uh, uh, Carl Larson has won multiple times. But, you know, we're coming down to it, and, you know, without some of those wins, you know, uh, you, you're just gonna, you just don't have the points, and you, you're gonna, you're gonna be stuck down there with some of the other guys below the, the, the uh, Kyle Larsons and the other drivers that have won multiple times this year, and you're gonna um, have to be fighting and scraping for every point. You only have three weeks to do it. So we look at the, uh, we got just a little bit of time here, just a couple minutes left here. We look at the uh, playoff picture as it as it stands now, as we look at it coming in today. Kyle Larson. Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Alex Bowman, William Byron, Denny Hamilton, Joey Logano, Brad Koloski, Kurt Busch, Christopher Bell, Michael McDowell, Eric Amalala, sorry, uh, Tyler Reddick, and, well, hanging out on there uh, for the moment anyway is Kevin Harvick. As we look at the playoff picture, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, again, as you say, Kevin Harvick is another one too that um, we we've seen just a couple of seasons ago that uh, him and uh, Stuart Haas Racing was at the top of their game and they were putting up wins. And Eric Almirola has been the only one so far this year that has been able to come through uh, for that Stuart Haas Racing organization. So, uh, you know, we'll have to continue to watch Kevin Harvick because uh, in the past, sometimes that you know, just because he wasn't necessarily getting the wins, he was able to come through when it when it matters most. And we've seen that um, time and time again out of him. Um, in, in, in for 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 others such as uh, Chase Elliott, I think he's he's coming into this thing to defend that championship this year, and uh, he he so far played very well into uh, making sure that he's in a very good uh, position to to contend for that uh, 2021 uh, Cup Series championship. Who's going to win today? And what's that going to mean to their playoff picture? Do we we do we think anybody that we is already above that line is going to win today, or is somebody going to come in and create chaos for the playoff uh, picture for those that are uh, 
on the bubble, if if you will. Well, this is a donut, and a lot of these things are, are unknown. It's sometimes the great or equalizer, and that's why, you know, he, he, Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500. He, he was definitely a guy that threw a monkey wrench into the whole um, uh, season as far as his uh, ability to come through, rated uh, the first race of the season and be the first one uh, over some of the better favorites and more funded and better organized and engineered teams. And, uh, uh, you know, you come to Daytona, and you just don't know. But, again, you still have to watch out for those guys that have become uh, good speedway, super speedway dry- racers over the years and, uh, and Denny Hamlin and uh, um, uh, Brad Kozlowski and others have have really honed again. Like I said earlier, honed a craft on doing this, and uh, and they'll go out there tonight and do what they do best and uh, play that chess match uh, to their to their abilities. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, we appreciate you joining us today from Daytona. I hope you get the race in today, and I hope it clears up for a good race tonight. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thank you. Dave Wilson, you can find him at SpeedwayDigest.com and at Speedway Digest. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good. We'll get into our NFL talk. We're going to uh, talk with Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast, who's, who's going to be joining us. And um, Ed Kratz is not going to be able to join us today as he is uh, working with the Eagles. He's in New York City, and he's got a lot going on, and he's going to spend the day in Manhattan with his wife. So a lot going on with him. But Tony Donahue will uh, take the lead for the NFL segment uh, with the Tony D from the Tony D podcast. When we get back, right here on the Balance Radio Network. Maybe I'm blind, thinking I can see through this and see what... Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got me. Ow, they're my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. I've seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. 
They make it fresh and roasted. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. All right, and welcome back to The Balance. Thank you, Adam Jividen, for kicking off some college football talk as we go into week zero, if you will, as we get ready for week one coming up next week. Uh, but certainly two Big Ten teams in action, Nebraska and Illinois. Uh, certainly Scott Frost needs a win to kick, just to kick the season off uh, with the win. We talked about that. And Steve Wilson also joined us on the Speedway Digest, uh, editor-in-chief and our official NASCAR contributor, took some time to pay tribute to Robin Miller, uh, certainly the passing of him was very, very tragic and very well known in the uh, journalism community, especially within the IndyCar uh, community, and he'll be missed very much. Uh, so, uh, and then talking about down in Daytona, where Steve called us from, uh, they had some rain last night, didn't get the Xfinity race in, uh, but uh, they're going to try to finish that up starting around 1230, uh, starting at lap ni- at 19 and finish that race up. And then, of course, you've got the Coke Zero Sugar 400 tonight out in Daytona. But joining us now uh, from a secret bunker location that we do not know, uh, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. Tony, how are you, sir? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. You know what? I want to get into our football talk. I do. But I also know uh, your connection to racing and your connection to Robin Miller. I wanted to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your memories of Robin Miller. Yeah, you know, I mean, he was a guy that, and I've said it all week, um, you know, when he wrote something or he talked, you know, people listen. You know, there's there's so many writers and bloggers and everybody, you know, that you can get information from. I mean, there's hundreds. You know, you can you could pick one team and find 30 to 40, 50 blogs. But when it came to auto racing or it came to an opinion, you know, whenever Robin spoke or when he wrote, um, you listened and you read. And it was just fitting that, you know, when, when when drivers have passed away or, you know, Bobby Unzer a few months ago or Bob Jenkins, it was Robin Miller's voice that, you know, NBC Sports always used to kind of talk over the emotions and the feelings of, of, of seeing those drivers pass away. And, um, you know, he was just somebody that everybody, I think, looked at. As like your 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 supportive uncle, your fun uncle that you know exactly. just always told you how it was and, and 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 always gave his opinion whether it you know was going to piss you off or not. So uh, very very sad to see him go. Absolutely, I and mean, we've certainly uh, reflected those very same thoughts in the last segment in talking about him. He was the ultimate storyteller, and I like your 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 definition of the of the uncle uh, because he is he he will he will tell you like it is and. And I, as I said a while ago, he told the story how he saw it, and that was the way it was. And he had the ability to just captivate. And, if, and I know you have, and I have, but just, you know, the ability to just hear him in a group, in a session, just tell stories, one story after another, it, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff and, and, and stories about when he got into a fist fight at Indianapolis Motor Speedway with, with uh, A.J. Poy and just things like that. And remember a few years ago, I think you were there as well, and I believe they gave him the Man of the Year, and, and all the legends came out and talked about uh, Robin Miller. He's certainly going to be missed and certainly tragic to anybody that uh, loses their life to cancer, but we need, I wanted to take some time to honor uh, Robin Miller today. Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast. We go get on to something a little bit more positive and that's the NFL. Let's start right here in our backyard. Colts had another preseason win. Uh, 
on the road against Detroit. Again, it's just preseason. We'll see what it is. But it seems like uh, Jacob Eason appears to be our guy, at least for the moment. I mean, he's our guy until Carson Wentz is ready to go, which Carson Wentz is firing all cylinders on Wednesday when they had to practice um, when he was taking on the first team reps. So, I mean, Wentz is the guy no matter what, unless he gets hurt again, which we hope doesn't happen. Um, we'll see if Quentin Nelson will be available. Uh, they put him on the COVID list this week. We'll see who they keep as far as wide receivers, who's going to be, uh, you know, where the depth chart is because, you know, it's here, it's ready to go. And, uh, you know, this time next week when we're talking, it'll be, you know, the day before the kickoff to the Colts first game of the year. And uh, we'll be having some fun. What do we, what do we know about Quentin Nelson, Eric Fisher? You know, those are some key players that, that we're going to depend on to need to get back into the game. Quentin Nelson, obviously being the biggest, no pun intended, but the biggest uh part of that line that we're going to need up there with Carson Wentz. No, and absolutely. I mean, you have to have that offensive line for Wentz. Wentz is a guy that can scramble, um, but you don't want him scrambling as much as, you know, guys like Andrew Luck or Jacoby Brissett might have because, you know, we, we've already seen him get injured. You don't need to see him scrambling. You need him comfortable in the pocket, firing those passes, having, you know, two to three seconds to get some passes off. So, I don't know if we know what's going to happen. Um, you know, COVID is always a tricky thing, but hopefully everybody's back and, uh, you know, the whole roster is 100% for that week one game against the Seattle Seahawks because we've talked about it so many times. The Colts don't get off to good starts. I mean, it's been, what, 0-2. and and I mean, it's been 0-1 for the last four or five years, and it's important. It's a very, very tough stretch. I think it's the toughest stretch of the schedule for the Colts starting the season the first four games. Absolutely. You mentioned Andrew Luck just on the off cuff. I might as well uh, pump the flames a little bit here, but he was saw throwing with a high school football team out in Colorado uh, this uh, week. And maybe you ask your, your, yourself or scratch your head, or maybe we have wishful thinking is Luck, uh, you know, starting to get the itch to play football again. You know, hypothetically speaking, he'd be entering a, a, in his age at, at with, I believe would be 33. Can't see him coming back to the Colts. But they do still hold his uh, playing rights. Uh, so whether he would suit up again for the Indi- or for Indianapolis or get traded for a massive amount of draft picks, that's something to, to think about. I, I honestly, I thought he would be back a lot sooner than now. So now I'm kind of of the opinion that he's not coming back. Uh, and we're just kind of like we were back in, in the days of Peyton Manning. Peyton's going to come back. Peyton's going to come back. Peyton never came back. And I think that's my line of thinking right now. But is there anything to read into this? He's throwing uh, with a high school football team out in Colorado. The only thing I took away from that was I can't believe the guy wears those pants. They zip off at the knee to become shorts. We will never <laughs> in our lifetime see Andrew Luck suit up and tell again, it's over. It's, it's not going to happen. Absolutely. Well, let's go uh, go on down around the list, around the league here. Uh, certainly ended in a tie. I, I've been talking a little bit with uh, – uh, Ed, he's out in uh, New York. He's going to spend the day in Manhattan with his wife. Uh, but Ty, the, the Jets and the Eagles tie, and a lot of a lot of similarities uh, between the Eagles and the Colts, especially in the coaching staff and, and a quarterback staff. So the, 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 a lot of similarities in conversation with the Eagles and the Colts, and, and Ed will be back on with us again next week. But certainly ended in a, a tie uh, out there in New York. What are your thoughts on the on the Eagles? I mean, I haven't really paid too much attention to uh, any of the preseason, to be honest with you. But mm-hmm. if you're ending in a tie, isn't it the, uh, you know, there's unwritten rules of baseball. Isn't it an unwritten rule where 
if it's in the second half in a preseason game and it, you make it 31 to 30 or, you know, you, you score to get within one point, you go for two or not. So there's no chance of overtime. I'm glad that they decided to go ahead and end in a tie. But I thought the international unwritten rule was if you're late in the third or fourth quarter and you have a chance to tie it up, you simply just go for two and you work on your two point play. We saw it last week with the Rangers and Rams, but uh, I, I think that's an unwritten rule of the preseason. So somebody might have broke it last. <laughs> well, they did have Joe Flacco, uh, you know, in for uh, Jalen Hurts, who's resting up. Uh, you know, he was he was sharp and steady. I, I watched a little bit of it. Is there going to be a return of Joe Flacco? That was actually a text. Uh, he goes, no, I highly don't think so. But for us fantasy football people, I mean, Jalen Hurts, you got to look at him. I know you were in our fantasy football draft this this uh, week, I looked at your draft. Looked like you kind of did okay. Uh, what are your thoughts on your fantasy football team this year? At least with the balance, anyway. You might be in other ones, but uh, but certainly Jalen Hurts is a guy you got to have in there for your fantasy football team. Joe Flacco's not coming back either. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody likes their team on the surface before week one because everybody's confident, you know, in themselves. But oh, I've done the best drafting job possible, and and and, and really nobody knows. I mean, nobody has any clue. <laughs> We don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I, I'm I'm happy to have Josh Allen as my quarterback. Um, I like I picked up Sonny Michelle. I think he's going to get a lot of carries in the backfield uh, for the Rams. Uh, I got some good weapons and 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 Schuster, Hopkins, and Odell. Um, and, and and we'll see. You know, it's all about just uh, you know scouring that waiver wire to be able to pick up those guys that uh, you know come on strong and 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 and, and make some noise early. Yeah, absolutely. In, in in fantasy football, you know, like with the NFL, you might do well in the draft, and that is going to help build your team. But the waiver wire certainly uh, pay pay attention uh, for that as well. Another thing we're talking about the Eagles. Other news: the Jaguars have traded Gartner Minshew to the Eagle for the Philadelphia Eagles for a conditional 2022 a six round pick, and that was announced on yesterday. I mean, last Saturday, I believe, or today. I just recently saw it. So, <laughs> but uh, what, what does that trade we, we talk about? And I know Ed's not here with us, but what does that trade look like? Are they going to just push uh, Joe Flacco on down, you know, back to QB three? Are they even going to keep him around? I, there's to me, there's a sign there if they're bringing in Gardner Minshew uh, to be a QB two would be my thought. Yeah, and we saw them last year go with some two quarterback sets and and and, and bringing guys out that wasn't Jalen Hurts and um, you know you, you want to have a mobile backup and you could always use Gardner, Gardner Minshew as trade bait again as well uh, to maybe grab something that you certainly need. You know, usually around this time it's when kickers are getting cut or guys are being traded late because a team has looked on their roster and said. You know, we've got this guy, but we're not sure that he's good enough or we're not sure that he's the guy. So let's bring another guy in here to maybe challenge him for that position and get some friendly competition or get some get some competition for these 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 parts, these these, you know, whether it's your linebacker core or your safety and just really see, hey, how does this guy do with the pressure on? So that's what that's what that that move seems like to me. 
Well, let's kind of go around the NFL. We don't have a lot to go on because we haven't had a, a real game that counts yet. That's coming soon. Uh, but let's go around the NFL real quickly, and let's just talk about divisions. We'll start right here in the AFC South. The Colts are right smack dab in the thick of it. We need to have a good season. We certainly have a lot going and hoping that Carson Wentz can come back. And, and is it going to be our savior from Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning? Probably not. But will he get us to the playoffs? Absolutely, and that's where we got to focus on right now is having a good season that gets us into the playoffs, and then we can focus on other things more than that. But the AFC South, uh, not just necessarily the Colts, the AFC South overall, uh, what are we looking at them as far as the strength they are, the, uh, their schedule, and so forth? Well, there's no guarantee in the NFL, as we know. And when I look at the Colts, I see a good team. I see a good team. But they're just as good as maybe Buffalo, but they're not as good as Baltimore or Kansas City. Um, you know, so – and even even the Chargers, so I think, are going to make some moves. Um, so, I've got the Colts right on the, right on the cusp of making the playoffs, to be honest with you. And it's, it's not that they're, you know, not a, not a great or bad team. Look at the schedule. You start off with the Seahawks and the Rams, the Titans, the Dolphins – and the Ravens, these are all teams that probably this year are going to be fighting for the playoffs. We don't know how good the Rams are going to be with Matt Stafford, but we know that defense is really good. If we're talking October 12th after that Monday night game, and you told me the Colts are 0-5, I'm going to believe it, man. This is a tough schedule going down to Miami to attack a Viola. is a guy that can play. The Colts have always struggled with scrambling fast quarterbacks. Um, the Colts have to get off to a fast start. I mean, Vinick, the the, the season kind of lightens up a little bit when you get, you know, the Texans, 49ers, Jets and Titans and Jaguars. But, again, Bills, Bucks in November, I mean, there is no guarantee that this Colts team makes the playoffs. I mean, this is a very tough schedule. And I'm not – they have just as much opportunity to be a really good team as they do to be a underachieving team. So, um, there's no guarantee that this team uh, wins – enough to get to the playoffs, if I'm being totally honest about it. Yeah, no, I, that's the scary part about it. It is what it is, and we're certainly going to be monitoring that situation. And one of the uh, divisions that I think is going to create chaos in the NFL, and for once, I'm so glad that we're not really talking about it being the Patriots, but even though it is still in the AFC South, I look for the Buffalo Bills to be the real deal this year, and we might even be seeing them really close to, if not getting to the Super Bowl. It's a little bit early to, to, to make that prognation, but the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, man, that they are a team to contend with and certainly are going to be a, a team to contend with in the AFC East. Yeah, I mean, they were right there. I mean, that's, their defense is good. Josh Allen has proven that he is a he, – he can throw the football. He can make the, the plays downfield. Um, they've got a great running back core. I mean, Bills are a team that are also right there, kind of with the Colts, like, are you going to take that next step forward and start competing for, you know, the AFC championship with the likes of the Ravens or the likes of the Chiefs? Um, you know, Miami is going to make a big step this year, I think. The Raiders could be really good this year. Um, so it's it's the AFCs. You know, it's a five-team race, I think. But at the end of the day, you got to go through Kansas City to get there. Yeah, speaking of Kansas City, you know, we look at the AFC West and the Broncos, 
Some big news out of the Broncos this week. They tag uh, Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Luck as their QB1. And, you know, preseason standings, granted, but, you know, they, they've they got them in preseason standings above the Chiefs. But it is what it is because right now they just kind of throw it together. So I, I don't put a lot of stock in preseason standing. But Patrick Mahomes is certainly a weapon to deal with. As you just I mentioned, to, to the role – to the AFC Championship does go through Kansas City, where the Broncos are going to travel that road too. And it looks like that Terry Teddy Bridgewater is going to be that guy. I'm scratching my head. I'm wondering uh, what do we see over Drew Lock there? You would think that it would be the other way around, but apparently the powers that be there in Denver see otherwise. Yeah, I mean Teddy Bridgewater is a good quarterback, and 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 this is a this is a league right now. Man, where you've got to have that scrambling quarterback. You've got to have a guy that can create down the field while scrambling out of the pocket. I mean, outside of Tom Brady, who's just the absolute goat, I mean, this is you have to be a mobile quarterback to be able to uh, compete in this league. And, and, and obviously, Teddy is a little bit more mobile than, than, than what we see in Drew Locke. Obviously, they haven't seen enough of Drew Locke uh, doing, you know, making the plays to say, hey, this is our guy. Um, you know, and really, you need a game manager against a team like the Chiefs because your defense is going to have to be the going to have to be the team that you know the side of the football that wins that football game because you've got to give your your offense has to go on long drives to give your defense a a, a good rest because they're going to be out there on their heels at all times when they're running around chasing after Patrick Mahomes. So, um, yeah, I mean. You got to become a game manager, and I think they look, probably look at Teddy Bridgewater as more of a game manager to be able to go on these long drives, to be able to go on, um, you know, these these the scoring drives that keeps their defense on the bench, chilling out, uh, getting getting a lot of rest between those reps when uh, we know that Patrick Mahomes and, and even you know even Justin Herbert with the Chargers and Derek Carr with the Raiders are going to be getting up and down the field and trying to move that football on the ground. As we look, as we keep going on through here, we look at the AFC North. We look at the the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens have Lamar Jackson, and and that's a spot that I'm going to look at. Does he keep that job uh, throughout the season? Especially if you're watching him through fantasy football. I don't have a lot of confidence in Lamar Jackson keeping his job through the the, the season there. And certainly, AFC North is going to be another tough division. Certainly, can never out rule the Steelers, but the Browns are starting to come into their own with Baker Mayfield. Uh, but I think all eyes are, are on the Ravens in the AFC North and Lamar Jackson in that position there. What are your thoughts? I mean, I don't know why Lamar Jackson would, would, would lose his job. The dude threw 26 downs and nine interceptions last year, 36 and six. I think the only concern would be if he stays healthy. I mean, whenever you have a mobile quarterback like that, 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 that sometimes uses his legs first. You know, he might not be a guy that stays healthy, but, um, you know, I mean, this dude had a record-breaking season two years ago and um, has weapons like Marquise Brown, like uh, Trace McSorley, Sammy Watkins, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, he's got weapons um, to be able to put up huge numbers again this year for Lamar Jackson. 
Well, let's uh, move on over to the NFC, uh, and let's talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, certainly, it, you, you look at Zeke Elliott being a very powerful force there. I've got him on, my, on one of my other fantasy leagues, uh, the, the, what I call the big boy league, where it's like a $100 buy-in. Uh, but I got Zeke Elliott on there, and, you know, Dak, not Zach, I always mess that up. Dak Prescott certainly at the helm there. So if you're able to handcuff those two. But the Cowboys, always the team to look at. And in or the team that likes to try to be out in front in the NFC East, I don't know that they're Super Bowl caliber this year. Uh, but if Prescott and Elliott can remain healthy, that is a force to reckon with. Yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at the NFC East, I mean, it's up for grabs. We never know what what the Dallas Cowboys are going to be. Dak Prescott's always always hurt, and he's never really seemed to live up to the hype. The Giants, Daniel Jones, is he striding in the direction? Washington football team, I mean, we'll see. And you throw the Eagles in there. So um, that's probably one of the one of the divisions in the NFC that more than any is, is, is just really up for grabs. Let's look at the West. I think a lot of people have got their eyes on the Cardinals. Cardinals are a very, very tough team. So are the Rams. So are the 49ers. So are the Seahawks. The toughest team in the NFC right now sits in that 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 uh, cul-de-sac of the NFC West. What are your thoughts on that? I think the toughest team in the NFC West is the Seahawks. You've got, you know, all the rumors that went down over the offseason. Is, is Russell Wilson going to leave? Um, he is the only – I mean, he the Seahawks are the non-question. We know that they're going to be – they're going to be good. Okay, can Matt Stafford take over the Rams and, and, and be good with them? Um, you know, the Cardinals are great. They've got a lot of weapons. Um, but can they close out games? We saw so many times last year where they struggled to close out games. Um, and then the 49ers, I just, you know, it, we'll, we'll see if they can make that next step in the right direction. And it seems like they, they, they're they probably going to be in that 6-11 six and, six and 11 bracket or 7-9, or, or 7-10 type bracket. So uh, we'll see. But, it, but when it comes to the NFC West, um, until proven otherwise, it's going to be tough to – to win consistently in Seattle uh, when you're the opponent. Give me the Seahawks. Yeah, absolutely. And let's you know, let's go ahead and go on over to the NFC North. A lot of people are going to be looking at the Bears. Certainly around here in our neck of the woods, a lot of Bears fans. Uh, we, we know that uh, uh, Nick Foles wants to leave Chicago. Does he come to Indianapolis? That's, that's a grab. That's a reach. Interesting that with scenario, if that did play out right now, I don't see that happening. We do see Justin Fields emerging from, obviously, Ohio State being the QB1. They drafted him for that purpose, for that job. I'm not sure if they'll, they'll play around with Andy Dalton, uh, but certainly I think Nick Foles is on his way out, and Justin Fields is going to be clear the uh, QB1, I would think, for going in any considerable future for the Bears. Yeah, I think week one, week two, week three, we see Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback. They seem to kind of put him in the – in the top number one reps. Um, and, and that's just to say, hey, maybe we got somebody that we can trade away, you know, midseason. Maybe maybe he plays well the first three or four weeks where we decide it's time to to, to bring in Justin Fields and, and, and make things happen um, and go from there. And, and, you know, hey, then maybe we trade Andy Dalton to Minnesota or we trade Andy Dalton somewhere that, you know, maybe needs a quarterback, whether it's, you know, Dallas if they're still got injuries, maybe – it's a team like Denver if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't get off to the right start that they want. So I think the Bears should go with Justin Fields as early as they can, but I don't think that they're going to start him. Green Bay is going to be tough. Minnesota is mid. 
the Lions are meh. Give me the Packers to win that. You know, I like the Packers. I do. And now this Aaron Rodgers uh, drama soap opera is over with. You know, they went from showing love to not showing love to Jordan. Jordan's kind of now that that redheaded stepchild, if you will. If you're Jordan Love, I think what you do is you just focus on doing the best you can do and being the best QB2 that you can be. Because Aaron Rodgers, if you remember, was did that exact same thing for a guy by the name of Brett Favre. And so the, the Packers have a way of, 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 of molding and developing their QB2. So if I'm Jordan Love, I say, okay, let's go play football. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you are – you're sitting there, and, yeah, you want to play, right? But you're also learning from one of the best quarterbacks of all time, especially one of the best quarterbacks of the last 20 years. So um, you sit there, you learn, you, you take in the invaluable information that you might not ever be able to get again, and you take that and you put it towards, you know, that day that you do get to start, whether it's, you know, with the Green Bay Packers or he's traded away somewhere. But you, you, you take that knowledge that you're learning right now um, and it becomes inevitable. You're, you're never going to be able to get that knowledge again. So you take it, you learn, and hopefully by year three or year four, you're ready to be the starting quarterback. So we wrap things up. Before we have to wrap it up, put a bow on in, in, in NFC South. Obviously, the big storyline there is the Buccaneers, Tom Brady. Uh, you know, again, we, we're here we are again with the Buccaneers talking about Tom Brady. Uh, so a lot to talk about there. I just, I mean, again, right until you show me something different, Tom Brady shows up and he's going to, He's going to make it happen. So for right now, uh, let's let's. Uh, I'm rolling with the Bucks uh, in the NFC South. Any final words there before we have to part ways, sir, on the NFC South? No, I mean I I, I think you're right. And, and, and until I'm proven that you know the Panthers or the Falcons or the Saints can consistently win games and and beat Tom Brady, I mean that's going to be their division to roll through. So I don't I don't expect any changes there because. I don't have – as much as I have faith in the Buccaneers, I equally don't have as much faith in any other team in the NFC South. Well, with that, we'll have to wrap it up and put a bow on. Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast. What are you guys working out uh, on this week, and where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't really do much NFL. I do mostly IndyCar and racing, and we've got a lot of silly season rumors to get into. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll continue to look into that. We got baseball coming down to the wire here with you know division races starting to really catch up as we hit the end of August. So looking forward to seeing if uh, my Chicago White Sox can hang on and, and and making some some predictions for the playoffs. Absolutely. Real quickly, White Sox, what did you think about their appearance in the Field of Dreams game? Like we, you know, it, it, it was fun. It'll be cool to see Red Cubs next year. Yeah. Um, it was different, and uh, you know, hopefully that continues because that was super fun to watch. And what a great win it was! And when you can win with a walk-off home run like that, Tony, we appreciate you. Have yourself a good weekend. It's going to be hot here in Indianapolis. Try to stay cool, sir. All right, man. You two take care. All right, Tony Donahue stepping in and helping us out as Ed Kratz is out in New York City with his wife and the Eagles, and uh, certainly the Eagles end with a tie, uh, and so he jumped in and joined us. Also, uh, Adam Jividen, our college football co-pilot, Super Browns fan, Super Buckeye fan, uh, talked about 
Well, week zero as we go into week one, uh, and then we played a very special tribute uh, to Robin Miller as we lost him this week uh, in our racing segment uh, with Speedway uh, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest. Um, I tell you again, I just my my heart goes out to 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 Robin and his family, but most importantly, he was one of the best in the business. We end the show today with that tribute that we played earlier uh, with Robin Miller. Uh, my name is Tom Marcos El Presidente. Make sure you follow us on social media, media, Twitter, and on The Balance. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces. You know what really makes me angry? When I start to do a stand-up for speed and they start playing loud music and i got to talk even louder than I am now. It, 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 is, it isn't fair to lump me in with Hinton because he's a college-educated man with a family, and I am a... <laughs> Uh, a flunk out of Ball State who can't hold a job, who does hate a lot of things. I Dale Jr. Does. would have done that. I, I'm all for him. I've never met the guy, but I, I like Dale Jr. I really do. Yeah, yeah, right. I used Dale to. Dale Jr. is to me and is just number one. He does. He tries not to hit anybody, and y'all start in on him every time, and I am sick of it. He, he tried so hard to miss Carl. Yes. Yeah, that car was so far sideways when he hit him. Come on, lady. Uh, we got. We Put got the Jack Daniels down and call back later. I think I entirely deserve that for saying that Kurt Busch stapled his ears back together earlier in the season, and now it's one and one, and we have to have a tiebreaker. And the owners of Champ Car finally get it through their heads. We've got to have the same people in the cars every year so people might start paying attention to us. It's called professional auto racing. And guess what? As long as they keep treating us like a Monopoly game, nobody's going to respect them. Uh, she's 34 years old, allegedly. I haven't seen her birth certificate. I think she's older. She is by... By definition of all the people that race with her in, in, in Grand Am racing, talented, very talentedly, she's challenged to be talented at any level, at any speed. You, you know, you know Gossage pretty well, and I mean, his ego's as big as Texas, we know that, and this would be a chance for him to come in and save the Indy Racing League, find him a title sponsor. They could probably build a statue next to Ray Haroon out in front of the Speedway, and he'd be pretty happy. But Just stop with that. But this just goes to show you how screwed up Champ Car Racing is, and how unserious these guys are about beating Newman Haas. You don't come up with a team driver for Paul Tracy till a week before the season. You don't test him or anything in a brand new car. How are you going to beat Newman Haas? You're not. This is the only sport in the world where you start your career at the Indianapolis 500. If you're a baseball player, you go through the AAA or single A or W. You start as single A and you go all the way to AAA. If you're good enough, you make it to the majors. No, not in racing. You get a sponsor, you get a car, and you go take your rookie test, and you run the Indy 500. Oh, my, this is fun. I've been on Mark Miles' butt not nearly enough. I'm going, to get, I'm going to start getting meaner here because he doesn't listen to anybody who knows anything about racing. That big yacht back there belongs to Tony George, and he said, if I can swim to it, he's going to feed me. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.